I'm Alicia Michalisek Kurtz, and welcome to Real Talk, a place where doctors and other healthcare professionals share stories about their real human experiences working in medicine. On today's episode, we'll hear the second of four stories recorded live at a Real Talk session with the emergency medicine residency doctors at LSU New Orleans. It comes from New Orleans native Dr. Elise Malani, a fourth-year senior resident at LSU. A lot of times for those of us working in healthcare, when we have a rough day, we're not talking about your typical stuff, spilling our coffee on our paperwork or getting in a fender bender or sleeping through your alarm, uh, some interpersonal stress with our not-so-favorite coworker. Okay, well, actually, sometimes we do mean that. But often, a rough day for us is way more rough and can include dealing with something like severe trauma or kids getting hurt, telling amazing people they have a terminal illness, admitting defeat and calling time of death on people of every age and walk of life. This is not the kind of stuff you can just call up your bestie and vent about on the way home. I mean, you could, but for most of us, it's, it's just not like that. It's not like the normal stressors you might feel in other jobs. And instead, it's, it's kind of like people who work in law enforcement or the military. We see things in medicine that other people only see on TV. Only it's real. And the memory is vivid and lasting. And while sometimes we talk to each other about it, most of the time we just kind of keep it inside. We bottle it up and tell ourselves we can handle this, that we are a badass doctor. I can compartmentalize. I can get over it. I'm stoic with nerves of steel, just like I was trained to be. But are we, though? Are we really built with nerves of steel? And if we're not, where do we put that stress? How do we process those rough days? and not misplace our anger or sadness or frustration in places where it really doesn't belong. This is Elisa's story. I really hate getting pediatric patients. Either the kid is sick and it's really upsetting, or more often the kid is running around the room and I have to tell mom that he doesn't need to be admitted to the ICU for his runny nose. This day, I was working in Baton Rouge at a pediatric ED, so needless to say, I had to give myself a little pep talk to get out of the car. Um, I came in, and my first patient on the screen says, 11-year-old boy sent from pediatrician's office with 10 days of fever and petechial rash. Great. So right then, I knew the pediatrician was probably concerned for cancer, and when I saw the patient, I became concerned for cancer, too. It was the patient's first day of sixth grade. He had been putting off going to the doctor because he was in a baseball tournament in Florida. He said he had felt fine. He just had this rash that wouldn't go away. And he was really small and pale, and he had this belly that stuck out like he was pregnant. I asked his mom and dad, I said, do you think his belly looks big to you? And they're like, yeah, but he just ate a ton of chicken. So um, that's probably what it is. We stopped at Raising Cane's. But in fact, his belly looked too big because his liver and spleen had become enlarged, trying to filter out dysfunctional blood cells. 
It took five hours for the lab to confirm what we had already knew or on the medical side had knew. Um, a specialist is actually required to come in from home and visualize the blood smear when a diagnosis of leukemia is first made. Uh, so for those five hours, the patient and his parents sat in the room um, recounting stories from baseball and talking about sixth grade, just sort of living out the rest of their normal lives. Delivering bad news is always worse when they have no idea it's coming. I'm sure you all can relate to that. It's always a little easier when they have an idea of what's going on. But when they have no idea what's about to come, you're, you're literally hitting them with a the train. Those moments when you're walking into the room and preparing yourself, you knock on the door, you pull up a chair, you turn up the TV, uh, are the last seconds of their normal life. The only thing I can really remember after walking in was just watching his parents hold their face in their hands when they cried. When I left my shift, I was looking forward to a podcast called How Did This Get Made, <laughs> where comedians review horrible movies. Dissecting Nicolas Cage's role in Face Off is a really great escape um, from bad days. So as the episode started, I got a call from my sister. She's three years younger than me, and she lives in London. She's in her mid-20s. She's kind of going through that confusing and often lonely time after college when you're trying to figure out what makes you happy and trying to figure out when it was that all your friends decided to up and get married. I still find myself navigating these trials of adulthood, and I absolutely sympathized with her. But that day, I just didn't want to answer the phone. I didn't feel like hearing it. I knew she'd be upset about some vague and esoteric melancholy that she couldn't quite pin down. And we would talk about her messy roommate and someone she was bored of dating and the nabans of her schoolwork, like we did all day, every day for the past half century. I answered the phone and she started talking at me in sort of the stream of consciousness that you do when you try to get rid of negative feelings. <laughs> she was doing this, I, I started feeling my jaw clench how I do when I get angry. And then my brain started yelling, are you kidding? Are you joking? You're telling me how anxious you are because your roommate stole your mouthwash? Because you slept late? Because you didn't get enough work done at the lovely little coffee shop in London? <laughs> what could you possibly be anxious about? You have no concept of reality. Luckily, I didn't say any of this out loud. But... I did say something that wasn't that much better. Jenna, I finally said, I'm sorry, I'm not trying to make you feel bad, but I just told an 11-year-old he has cancer and I can't take anything you're saying seriously. Today was his first grade of sixth grade and now his childhood is gone. I don't have the bandwidth to listen to you complain about your day, particularly when I spend all day around sick people with real problems. It feels like Groundhog Day. I'm sorry, but this is adulthood. Toughen up and deal with it. Uh, on the other end, it was just silence, and then she started crying. Uh, great. Why did I say this? Uh, she obviously could not have known about the day I just had. And I've been there before. I know it's a rough time. And now I just made things worse, and now I'm going to have to make her feel better. But honestly, I mean, a little bit, I meant it. I mean, remember sixth grade? Remember passing notes with your friends? Remember going to Backstreet Boys concert? What if that was just all gone? I mean, that's a real problem. That's what a problem is. I know my reaction was completely inappropriate and I did apologize to her. Everyone is entitled to their feelings and maintaining a larger perspective is not always intuitive. 
later that day, I had a actual mental breakdown because the internet on my phone was slow. So, <laughs> so it's not just her. I mean, we all overreact to things. But working in a culture where things like sleep and proper meals are considered luxuries many of the time, uh, I often find myself getting angry at others for their feelings of injustice. It's caused me to feel alienated from those not in the medical community. Sometimes when my mom asks me how my day went, it's just easier to say fine than to just get into it. I don't expect myself to easily overcome this, but I try to work on it daily. And luckily, I have a good relationship with all of you in the medical community that helped me get through it. Thank you. Elisa's story demonstrates the challenge we face in healthcare of finding a healthy, regular place to put our daily stress. Because if we don't, we really are at risk of blowing up at the wrong time. Whether it's yelling at our sibling in the middle of their normal teenage rant about what seems like extremely irrelevant and unimportant life stressors compared to the seriousness and gravity of our work, or having an emotional breakdown because our internet is broken. We all experience some serious stress, and there's not really a good place to unburden ourselves from that. At least, not without us being pretty intentional about it. And for those of you who are wondering, yes, Elise did ask her sister for permission to share this story, and yes, she definitely remembers vividly that conversation. And while they're still super close, and Elise has long been forgiven, it just goes to show you how important it is that we acknowledge our own limits, that we find healthy ways to process the tougher stuff, so we don't accidentally take it out on innocent bystanders who happen to be in our line of fire when we just can't take it anymore. When was a time that you acted in a way that wasn't your best? as a result of the stress that you were carrying. Maybe it was a not-so-stellar conversation or reaction to someone or something, or you lost your temper or broke down and cried or just felt out of control. How could you have prevented that? What do you do to check in with your own stress levels? And who do you have to keep you accountable to yourself in being honest about what those stress levels are? If nobody, who could you ask to be that person and regularly check in with you about it? There is no weakness in owning our limits and being willing to share them with others to help us process and deal with the stress and trauma and tragedy that we see at work and sometimes in our own lives. So challenge yourself to have a routine process where you unpack some of that rougher stuff instead of bottling it up. Because if you're not careful, someday soon, you just might explode. Thank you to Elise Milani for sharing her story with us, to the team at Vituity for their support of this podcast, to Marco Gonzalez, our sound engineer, and to all of you for listening. I'm Alicia, and this is Real Talk.
Want to connect with the Real Talk podcast or figure out how to bring Real Talk to your residency program? Head to www.vituity.com forward slash Real Talk for more information. Or email us at realtalk at vituity.com.